Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Live from Liverpool, The Dark Paranormal, Season 3. Well, my friends, we finally reached the season finale of Season 3 of The Dark Paranormal. And we are going to sign off this season in style as we hear a series of true paranormal experiences from one of our listeners. But before we do that, I'd like to say a heartfelt thank you to everyone who's downloaded the show this far. The show is literally going from strength to strength, and that's entirely down to you. It doesn't matter whether you've sent in feedback, you've left a review, you've told a friend about the show, or you've supported through Patreon, or bought the show a coffee. Each and every one of you, by the simple act of downloading, is helping this show grow. And for that, I sincerely thank each and every one of you. If you don't know by now, I'll say it again. I started The Dark Paranormal so we could start a like-minded community of people who will leave their disbelief and scepticism at the door when looking at true paranormal experiences. And I think, three seasons in, that community is starting to take a wonderful shape. And again, thank you. So, when will Season 4 debut, you may well ask? It'll start in just over a month's time, with the first episode being on Friday the 17th of September. Don't forget, in the downtime between seasons, Patreons still receive a weekly episode on a little show I like to call Dark Bites. And they, of course, will receive Episode 1, of season four before the standard feed so if you wish to support the show and get the extra content between seasons simply go over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal and i'd like to thank the following people for doing so in the last week or for buying the show a coffee and they are matt s tim laverty alice barnard debbie sanders jennifer flates mercedes chapman Alex Solar, Melanie Levers, Jessica Kutcher, and of course, Rachel Davis. Thank you, everyone. I look forward to sharing some stories with you on the Dark Bites episodes. And for people who aren't currently in a position to support the show through Patreon, but would still like to support the show, it'd be exceptionally kind of you to just spread the word, maybe leave a review. But also rest assured that the show you're listening to right now will always be free to consume. Of course, another way to support the show is simply by sending in your true paranormal experiences. We revert back to listener stories in Season 5 because, of course, on alternate seasons, we take a deep dive into some of the more famous paranormal experiences and see if they stand up to scrutiny. But that's Season 4, and we are still within Season 3. 
This is the season finale of season three. And I think there's no better way to sign off than with the experiences you're about to listen to. It's not completely lost on me that the season finale has fell on a Friday the 13th. I'd like to say that was some marketing genius plan, but it is just coincidence. Or maybe a supernatural nod that our little community is heading in the right direction. Either way, take yourself somewhere dimly lit and quiet, pop your headphones in, and of course, most importantly, leave your disbelief at the door as we sign off Season 3 with an email from Stephen to tell us about his paranormal life. I live in Manchester, England, although I grew up all over. I was an army brat, and my American father and Irish mother moved almost yearly around the world with the different positions my father held for the US Army. I'm writing in as our little family has lived under a paranormal cloud our entire lives. I think this largely comes from my mother's side. She's an Irish Catholic and the seventh child of my grandparents. Although, to date, she's only one of two still alive. Her and my uncle Tommy. My mother was apparently born with a call. A thin piece of membrane from the amniotic sac, which, very rarely, can cover a baby's head or face. Also known as a veiled birth. Those born with a call, at least according to tradition, are said to have the ability to see the other side. Apparently, in the not-too-distant past, sailors would buy the dried call of such a child from its mother in the belief it would bring them good fortune on their travels. I don't know anything about that, but I do know that my experience with the paranormal started almost as soon as I could talk. My mother has previously told me tales of me as a child, sitting, playing with my toys, and often holding one out to empty space and motioning for someone, or something, to take it from me and join me playing. Or how about the time she had put me to bed and was walking past the room and heard me giggling? On entering the room, I was sat cross-legged in the dark, facing a large mirrored wardrobe and clapping my hands. My mother instantly turned on the light and I, apparently, cried, pointing at the mirror and sobbing, gone, gone, over and over. Those little tales I personally don't remember. However, my mother tells them straight-faced. Not an ounce of humour in the retelling, no matter how many years have passed since. Before I get to what I have experienced, what I have definitely experienced, I'll share some of my dad's encounters too. Oh, I should mention my mum and dad divorced a few years ago and my dad sadly died not shortly afterwards from cancer. It was a very amicable divorce. I think they supported each other's choice to want new things in life. Anyway, my dad told me many stories which he couldn't explain. He was much more rational than my mother, I guess, 
and therefore his stories... Well, not that my mother's weren't believable. They were. But his stories have that extra fear factor. It's cliché. But if something scares your dad, you can damn bet it's going to scare you. My dad told me the following story. He was based out in the Middle East during the Gulf conflict. As part of his duties, he occasionally would act almost as police in some of the more rural villages and towns. In doing this, although there were many suspicious glances at soldiers, they still managed to build a good rapport with many of the locals. Those that could speak minimal English would say hello, ask how he was. He once, for example, helped a kid fix a tyre on his bike, that type of thing. Anyway, one afternoon, a woman that he knew came screaming out of a house towards him, arms flailing in the air. He told me his heart was in his mouth. As, although he knew the lady, this was technically still a war, and suicide bombers were known to befriend soldiers to gain their trust. My dad said, however, something in her eyes, wide open, latched onto his, let him know that she was not a threat. This woman was terrified and clearly looking for help. My dad tried to calm her down as she screamed at him and pointed at the house. She began pushing him from behind, and as best he could, he shone through his mannerisms that he was going, but she needed to calm down. My dad said he kept a grip on his gun and slowly walked towards the house. He assumed that maybe the woman had been assaulted, and he would find and have to calm down some irate, angry husband. He walked through the door and shouted, Hello? But there was no response. Walking into the living room, he found it empty, and so headed back to the hall. Hello? He shouted again. Nothing still. He stopped and turned to leave. Convinced now the woman had maybe seen a spider or a snake or something like that. But then he heard in a clear English accent, Hello? The sound seemed to come from above him. But this was a one-floor shack of a house. He froze to the spot and said again, Hello? Who's there? He heard laughter come from the living room. He headed back and found it exactly the same as before, completely empty. Suddenly, a hand touched his shoulder and he spun around. It was the team translator, and she said, the woman has said there's a djinn in her house, an evil spirit. The translator shrugged as if to say, it's all nonsense. And my dad just said, oh right, and walked out of the house. He said he turned around in case there was anyone on the roof, but he just couldn't see how there could be. Again, just a story, I guess, but I know it chilled him, and when I heard it, me, to the bone. Another one of my father's stories is when we were stationed in Germany. It was a big old army barracks, more like its own village than temporary housing. 
I actually love the place, but not so my dad, after he had this happen to him. My dad was at that time working an admin-type position on the base, which included early starts and late, late nights. Occasionally, he wouldn't be home until gone 1am, and always looked worse for wear. Given where he had to work each day, I can't say I'm surprised. This particular building had jail cells in it. They were no longer in use, and in fact filing cabinets had been placed around the wall area of the four or five cells to try and make use of the space. The corridor the cells were on led directly into the office where my dad was working, and apparently there was an iron bar gate that separated the two areas. My dad said even though it was only a gate and completely see-through, he still shut it tight to feel safe of a night once he'd used the filing cabinets and returned to his desk. One evening in particular, whilst he worked away at the desk, he heard a metallic thump, then another, and another. He couldn't place it at first, but then realised where he'd heard the sound before. It was a noise the filing cabinet would make at the final point of a drawer sliding in, as it goes over a sort of plastic lump to stop it going back out. As he realised what the sound was, he froze and listened. Thump. Thump. It was as if someone was opening and closing the drawer every few seconds. Thump. Thump. He stood up at the desk and the noise stopped. He stood quietly. Thump. Thump. He glanced over to the gate and decided as it was shut, he'd be able to peer through into the cell where the sound was coming from. But when he got there, the angle was too tight. Realising he now has two options, he could either suck it up and go and investigate and then relax or he could not check it out and sit there panicking all night. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step by step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong-arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to-do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945 he decided to go with the former. Probably wind or something, he thought, as he opened the metal bar gate slowly. Tiptoeing past the first few cells, because, of course, it was the last cell where the sound was coming from, he finally reached the cell. Thump. Thump. It was still going on. He peeked in and could see the bottom filing cabinet drawer moving, opening a small amount and then slamming shut again. Panic filled his chest, but then he caught sight of something. The tail and back part of a rat just to the side of the cabinet. Phew, that was that then. This rat was clearly triggering something. He walked over in now complete calm to shoo the rat away. But the rat didn't move as he approached, still somehow moving the drawer. He kept walking, walking closer and clapping his hands. Still, nothing. The rat didn't move. As he arrived at the cabinet, to his utter shock, he seen the rat was dead, its head squashed by the drawer and being continuously squashed as the drawer moved back and then back in. Thump. Thump. My dad said he ran back to the office, closed the gate behind him, grabbed his things and headed home. The next day, he said a guy he was working with asked my dad why he would do such a thing. My dad asked what he was on about, and then remembered and said, Oh, the rat. The guy said, Yeah, the rat. Fair enough in killing it, but you could have got rid of it instead of leaving it on top of the cabinet. My dad then explained how when he'd last seen the rat, it was very dead. How it was on the floor. He didn't say anything about the drawer moving. But he did say he had no idea how it got on top of the drawers. Although, he did have an idea. See, my dad has told me since that other people on that base have confided in him that the whole office is haunted and that there have been a number of suicides that have taken place in those cells over the years. That place, for good reason, really shook my father up. Now, I guess it's time to share my experiences. Well, my first experience that I personally recall happened one Christmas at that base in Germany. Mum had done a brilliant job of decorating the house and we held a Christmas party for the people who lived nearby. As a bonus, I got to stay up late, which was brilliant. But obviously, at some point, I was sent to bed and, of course, told that Father Christmas wouldn't come if I was awake. So naturally, I tried my best to sleep and must have eventually dropped off. 
I was woken up by the weight of someone sitting on my bed. I rubbed my eyes open and found this old man in uniform smiling at me. I said something like, What do you want? Or similar, thinking it was a party-goer who'd just gotten lost. I just want to say Happy Christmas to you, that's all. He then stood, nodded and left. I watched him go and decided I'd get up to see if the party was dying down yet. I walked to my bedroom door and looked down the stairs. It was pitch black. I went into my parents' room and my mum sat up immediately. Get back to bed, she said. To this day, I see the clock's red numbers showing 4.04am at the side of her bed. But there's a man just gone downstairs, I said. She shook my dad awake and told him to go and check. He did, but he just came back up, shrugging, saying maybe it was Santa and rubbing my hair. Christmas Day was amazing, but the next day, Mum pulled me to one side and asked me about the man. He was about dad's size, bald head, had a moustache. Oh, he spoke like dad and he had an army uniform on. Mum put her hand to her mouth and said, Good God, that's your grandfather. She said seemingly in shock. She called my dad over and told me to repeat what I just said to her, which I did. Dad got teary-eyed and smiled. Well, isn't that something? And that was that. It was just kind of accepted that my dead grandfather had popped over to see me from the other side. Such is my family, I guess. My next experience was when I hit my teens. And this is one of two experiences which seem connected and scare me even now as I recall them. I was 16 and I got a job in a nearby bar as a glass collector. It was a busy pub and therefore there were three glass collectors on busy nights. Normally two of us underage folk and one from the bar staff who would rotate throughout the night. This one particular Thursday, it had been extra busy. The bar had run a promotion and the cheap drinks had brought people in from all around. We were literally ran off our feet. So much so, the head bar guy ended up staying after we closed to help clean up. And he was normally well gone come closing time. Anyway, we were just about done when he offered us a drink for working so hard. He said we could have one alcoholic drink, given that we were underage. And as long as we didn't tell anyone. So the three of us sat around a table, me with a big pint of the strongest larder we sold in front of me, not wanting to waste the opportunity. The head guy, Michael, was quick to ask if we'd ever experienced anything strange in the pub. We both shook our heads. He smiled, downed his first drink and went and poured himself another. He sat back down, took a sip and said, Well, I have. And he went on to tell us the following story. 
He said one night he was closing up by himself when he heard a barrel fall in the cellar. He opened up the hatch behind the bar and walked down, pulling the light switch to illuminate the area. He could see the barrel out in the centre of the floor and a gap from where it fell. So he walked over, picked it up and then the light switched off. Dropping the barrel, he fumbled to get the torch on his phone. When he did so, he spun around to see the light pole swinging, as if freshly let go by someone. He hastily walked back over and turned the light back on. Now, somewhat out of breath with panic, the barrel he just dropped had disappeared. He looked around, wondering where it had gone to. He looked up and noticed it was back exactly where it had fell from. He bolted up the stairs and headed home. This story had us looking over our shoulder as we sat there, and then he suggested we do a Ouija board. Both of us thinking this could lead to more alcohol, both I and my underage colleague eagerly agreed. And before we knew it, we were ripping beer mats in half withways and scribbling the alphabet on the rough blank squares. The pub table itself was circular, and soon enough, all letters were placed around the edge. A picture-perfect seance type of environment. Michael fetched a wide-rimmed glass from behind the bar area and placed it in the centre of the table. Are you ready? he asked. We all looked at each other with nervous smiles. Just place your finger lightly on the glass, he said. And so we did. We'd like to speak to whoever moved the barrel, said Michael in a clear voice. The glass started to wobble. Slowly at first, and then stutteringly edging towards the edge of the table. S. The glass spun on its rim. We all thought it was going to topple over. T. We all said in unison. O. P. Stop. We all said together. At that exact point, all the lights in the pub turned on at the same time, seemingly brighter than possible. And then they all turned off. What the hell was that? Michael laughed. We were severely shaken up. And although he did offer us another drink, we opted to just get our coats and leave. The next time we were on shift, the bar manager was in a very angry mood. Apparently, every light in the pub needed changing. Not just the light bulbs. The underbar lighting, the soft lighting behind the spirits, basically anything that could emit light had burnt itself out. Thankfully, due to the magnitude of the situation, he believed it was only possible through a power surge. Ergo, our little midnight seance went unnoticed. We spoke as a group about the seance that night, and one of our mutual friends said he believed we'd reached the spirit of a guy that's rumoured to have died in the car park of the pub. Apparently this guy had been really down on his luck and had an episode which resulted in him getting shit-faced drunk at the pub. Then, 
stripped himself naked in a bus stop, before walking mindlessly round in a nearby field, and finally retreating, naked, back to his car, where he was found dead the next morning. No one was sure of the cause of death, and theories ranged from suicide to hypothermia. But apparently, previous owners of the pub and staff who work there have long pointed at this guy for being the ghost that haunts the pub. And that should be the end of that story. However, an event that happened only a couple of years ago has led me to believe that something else took place that night. I was driving to a friend's house for a Halloween party. She's something of an all-or-nothing type of person and had gone all out with the decorations, the horror playlists, the works. It was dark around 5.30pm that day and I was driving over around 7, so basically full nighttime darkness. There's a little trail that you have to go down to reach her house. All the usual things that should spook you out are there. Overhanging branches, shadows flitting in the fields behind the fences, and all of this before you got to the fake Halloween setup. So, I'm driving down this track when I go over something, or so I thought. The car lurched violently to one side. So I slammed on the brakes and get out to check. Nothing. I expected to see a boulder, damaged to the car, something. But there was nothing there. Then, I crouched down to check the rear tyre. And underneath the car, I see on the opposite side, a pair of feet. Bare, muddy feet stood at my driver's side door. I was on the opposite side near the back wheel. I froze and stared. And then, as I looked on open-mouthed, one foot lifted, and then the other, and the car sank down. This person had just got into my car. Shit! As I jumped out, I'd clearly left the door open. I shouted, Oi! and leapt up clambering round to the passenger side to look through the window. The car was empty, the door still wide open. I was beyond shook up. I managed to get to my friend's house, and as I was staying over, I poured the largest and strongest drink I could manage. She was laughing and asking what was wrong, but I couldn't bring myself to say, and in truth, I didn't know. I kept myself to myself as I replayed the sight of those feet getting into my car one by one. My friend came and got me to say something cool was happening in the back room. She led the way. One of the other guests, it turns out, was a medium and was in the middle of giving a demonstration to the excited onlookers. As we walked in, the medium stopped talking to the person he was looking at, looked directly at me, and said, Wow, this guy has one hell of an attachment. Everyone made a ooh sound, laughing with each other. But this guy was quite the showman, and continued, Can I ask, have you ever used a Ouija board? Well, yeah, what teenager hasn't, I replied. I know, I know, but I'm talking about one where... 
He paused and closed his eyes as if concentrating. One where... Lights went out. He opened his eyes and pointed at me with the last words, as if remembering something that had been on the tip of his tongue. Well, yes, actually, in a pub a few years ago. The crowd ate this up. Ooh, they went again. The medium acted like he was being talked to by a ghost, nodding his head to one side. He says... He says he tried to get you to stop. I literally fell back with shock. My friend had to lead me to a seat. The crowd now had stopped seeing the humorous side and seemed much more concerned with what was going on. I was blown away. I felt sick. He carried on. He's saying he was with you in the car on the way here. Have you ever been so anxious you vomited? I did. Everyone, I'm sure, assumed it was the drink I'd been putting away. But no. This was like a punch from the floor right through my body to my jaw. This guy came over, put his hand on me and just said, It's okay. I've told him to leave. He won't be back. Who on earth was this guy? I just nodded. I was wiped out, bewildered, open-mouthed. I can't explain it. Even now, a few years on, I still can't explain it. This guy was a friend of a friend. She apparently lost touch with him in the months after and claims he went travelling to India. I'd love to speak to him again, and I'm gutted I didn't ask more of the time. But I was too awestruck. So... That's a brief synopsis of my paranormal life. Oh, and as a fitting end note, the friend who threw that Halloween party and I are now in a relationship with a very healthy one-month-old baby girl. Oh, and if there's any sailors planning a trip, hit me up, as she, like my mother, was born with a call. A truly great series of paranormal experiences from Stephen there. And don't forget, if you have a true paranormal experience, send it in to thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com. As ever, if you wish to have more paranormal content during the downtime between seasons, head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. But for now, until September the 17th and the start of season four, Try and keep that disbelief hung by the door until we meet again on the dark paranormal.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.